Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. The following podcast is equivalent to a TVMA rating thanks to the author's strong and frequent use of adult language and graphic recollection of her sexual escapades. We strongly advise listening alone or with an extremely open-minded, politically incorrect companion, such as a gay bestie. Welcome to a special bonus episode of How Bitches Are Made. I am your host, Rachel Melvin. This week, I'm really excited to introduce you guys to a very good friend of mine, Anastasia Arnstead. I wanted to bring Anastasia on because she exemplifies the kind of bitch archetype that we're talking about. She's in total control of herself and her own life, and as evidence of that, she just started her own company called VegShe, where she helps women specifically achieve better lives. She offers online fitness classes, nutritional coaching, vegan mentorship, so I thought it'd be really interesting to get to know her, for you guys to meet her, to learn how she got into the business and what inspired her to branch off and start her own company, and to kind of see why I admire her so much and why we can look to her as an example for not only living our lives, but changing our lives and making that really uncomfortable step into the unknown to make our lives more fulfilling. So without further ado, here is the interview. (laughs) That rhymed. Okay, enjoy. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm falling apart. I'm good. My knee hurts, but I'm good. Wait, why does your knee hurt? (laughs) you are falling apart I am falling apart it's because I didn't stretch my hips and when I don't stretch my hips my knees hurt Mm. it's a thing it's all connected I think people underestimate how connected every single part of our bodies are but as soon as I don't stretch out my hip flexors the insides of my knees hurt ah my knees hurt because I have more muscle on my hamstrings than on my quad. And oh. so my patella tries to go around to my hamstring. Oh, no. And then it revs up against my cartilage. You and I are just like, we're like health sisters. I think so. We have all Both the same falling apart together. <laughs> Getting old is fun. Mm. Um, okay, so let's tell everybody how we met. Okay, so. You tell this story better than me, so I'm going to turn it over to you. Okay. <laughs> I, thank you for saying that. Let me see. Of course. Um, no pressure now, right? So, right. <laughs> Try not to screw this up. So when we first met, we were at a menu tasting for um, Chef Tara, and she's the owner of Pura Vida. Plug for Chef Tara. She's got a location in Hollywood and one in Redondo. But at the time, she hadn't opened any of her restaurants. That's so right. We were at this tasting, um, and we were both there because our mutual friend Mark 
invited us. Mark Hapka. Everyone knows Mark Hapka. He's he's very prominent on this podcast without actually ever being on the podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah, I got that feeling. I, I've listened to all the episodes and I'm like, oh, there's Mark again. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so he invited us and of course, Brian, because he's known my husband longer than he's known me. Um, so anyway, he invited all of us to this tasting and that's how we first met and we got to know each other over this like amazing vegan food and at the time I wasn't vegan and so it was definitely like this enlightening experience because I realized I could eat anything I wanted and still be vegan and it kind of blew my mind a little bit because at the time I was vegetarian and I wasn't even though I was lactose intolerant I wasn't ready to give up cheese so the idea of vegan Italian food made my brain explode (laughs) yeah pretty impressive stuff yeah being being Italian I remember what didn't she have some like kind of burrata like I remember her burrata was amazing everything was crazy good all the cheeses I think she makes them herself so they're like well what's actually impressive about this is you were like not wanting to give up cheese and I don't actually like cheese I became a fan of cheese after I started having vegan cheese oh yeah and same with yogurt (laughs) is it Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess it is probably unusual. <laughs> so that is how we met. And you and I kind of hit it off that night. We were we were talking about, God, there are many things we were talking about. The thing that sticks out for me was how it was funny that we were having vegan food and there were like cowhide rugs everywhere. Do you remember that? Oh my that? gosh, you remember <laughs> that. That was the first thing that I said. I think it was before you arrived because Brian and I always get to everything early because we're not from LA and so we're early for everything where everyone uh-huh. else is like well, right because you have to leave extra <laughs> ahead of time right right yeah. so I walked in and I was like babe there are dead animal skins everywhere and he was like well I'm sure they just rented the space I'm all but they didn't like remove all the dead animals this is yeah so I was like maybe they were faux or maybe it was like a statement I don't know but I, I they were but real <laughs> I think I remembered like mentioning that and then you heard me say that and that's how we started talking because it was like oh, a really sure. really long table but anyway Um, And yeah, we've just kind of like kept in touch ever since. But one of the things I wanted to ask you was, were you, were you vegan before that dinner fully or like, were you contemplating going vegan or kind of what intrigued you about that experience to even go? So the funny thing was I, so I was vegetarian, but I was in the mindset, I still had the same mindset of like, vegan is too extreme for me I just that I I had that same thought in my head and I remember telling Brian like Mark is extreme I don't know how he does it (laughs) yeah right that's just how I saw it because I couldn't imagine my my understanding of what it meant to be vegan was so small right and it was so limited to just what I was imagining it meant to be vegan that I had this really incorrect and um sort of judgmental perspective on it and so no, I mean, I, I was curious because Mark had invited me to this thing and he said the chef is really amazing and he said she was from New York and she was Italian and I was like, well, if she's trying to open a restaurant here, it's got to be good. So I, I knew the food was going to be good, but I underestimated how good it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And so going into it, I was excited because I was like, my brain couldn't even process the concept of vegan Italian food and then when I ate it I it blew my mind and I was like oh my gosh maybe I actually don't know what I'm talking about maybe being vegan is amazing and it's possible so I think the combination of being friends with Mark and like him you know whispering in my ear all these years and then going to this dinner it really shifted things for me So here's the thing that I've realized about veganism that I think a lot of people don't understand. You just said it and I was the same way. 
I think you have to be introduced to vegan food by someone who's been vegan for a while because they kind of act as your filter for the good products and the bad. And if you have, if you're exposed to the bad products when you're first starting, it will ruin it forever. You'll be like, no, it's disgusting. I'm not going down that road. Where being friends with Mark, that is a perk because him and this girl I worked with named Courtney Palm, she was vegan. And between the two of them, they kept like referring me to certain vegan lines, like Beyond Meats, for instance. And that was the first quote unquote, fake meat I had. And I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And then a lot of things that people don't understand is like a really good place to start is with earth balance butter. And I know um, Mark would tell you to get Mayokos. Oh, um, absolutely. <laughs> but earth balance butter is a great way to transition because it's olive oil based. And I always tell people when they're trying to make the transition, I actually don't say to go, to go cold turkey. I say do one animal at a time, start with the cow, start with dairy. Dairy is like the worst industry, the way they treat their cows. Mark has showed me terrible videos about it and that was transformative for me. But the butter, um, Earth Balance, is it kind of tastes a little bit different. Like you'll be like, this has a funny taste. But after about a week, you get used to it and it tastes normal to you because, you know, we become used to things we've had our whole life. So things that we're not used to taste funny, but just like what we grew up with, having it more consistently will begin to taste normal. So I always try to tell people you got to give it like two weeks to really take. I think it makes a huge difference when you have people in your life that have already gone down that path that can help make the transition a bit easier. Or even if you have like a a plethora of like vegan options or restaurants nearby like I always use Yelp and I'm like whatever has four stars or above you're good give it yeah. a try absolutely yeah. and we don't have as many options out here because we're outside of LA and so when I hear of something new opening I'm almost always there immediately like as soon as a vegan place yeah. pops up I'm like I'm going to support this new vegan place and if it sucks I don't go back but if it's great I'm I tell everyone and I'm like let's support this small business we don't have enough vegan food out here like we need to be champions for the vegan restaurants and I sometimes feel like I'm keeping all of the vegan restaurants in the Inland Empire open single-handedly but that's <laughs> great we don't have any I think there's like one lady here that makes vegan cheese that she sells at the farmer's market but outside of that there's no vegan restaurants in Joshua Tree which is kind oh. of kind of surprising Weird. yeah but it's like it sucks for us because this is a funny story but it's not funny so I used to I'd be like okay I can have red meat if like I'm on my period and my iron's low and my body tells me I can have red meat that's the only time I can have it if I'm actually craving because it would get to the point where I'd have a craving and midway through eating whatever I would eat it would taste good and then all of a sudden it would taste bad and I'm like okay I'm done my body's telling me it's time well, I had a moment where I was like, I think I need red meat. And so we're like cooking steak and we live by a farm. And so I, I hear the cow mooing as I'm ma making the steak. And I'm like, oh God, this is just brutal. And then proceeded to get crazy, crazy violently ill after. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've never had red meat since. And I told the, cow the farm. cursed you. <laughs> well, here, here, no, here's what most people don't understand. So the the farm next to us, they have, they, their daughter belongs to 4-H, which is like an agriculture program at school. And she like raises cattle and shows them. And and they, they raise and slaughter their own animals, which 
you know, I'm not crazy about the slaughtering, but I love that they give them a good, good life where they're treated like pets. I would never be able to kill a pet, but they don't, they don't look at it that way, which is totally fine um, for them. But what she told me, because I'm very, like, the thing I like about them is you they know I don't eat cow, and, like, we talk about it, and I ask all sorts of questions, and they're very forthcoming, mm-hmm. and they do care about the animal, which I know feels like a contradiction, but she was telling me when I told her this, I was like, yeah, Molly was mooing while I was making this, and she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, and she goes, but where did you get the steak? And I said, oh, I got it from the grocery store, and she's like, never, ever buy it from the grocery store. And I was like, dear God, why? And she goes, well, most of it comes from New Zealand. And she goes, and by the time it makes it to the meat counter, that thing is already expired. Oh, God. And she goes, so it doesn't surprise me that you got sick. And I was like, sure. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So in case people don't know, the, the meat you're buying is so not even good, even if you think it is. Not fresh. Right. Anyhow, so really you had told me in a, in a previous conversation that kind of really what sent you over the edge to was Mark, had you watch a movie? Yes, and I, I'm both grateful and still upset at him about it. <laughs> um, well, you have to tell everybody why, because the, right. the punchline is the best part. Totally. So, um, so after we had this meal, right, with Chef Tara, a little time had gone by, and I had recently adopted my first dog, uh, Kazuhira, and she's she's my baby, and I love her. Um, so anyway, Mark texts me kind of at, at random, right? Like he does, he'll randomly send like he videos does. or messages sure. for no reason. <laughs> and I'm like, I haven't heard from you in forever. And he's just like, hey, check out this video. And I'm like, but where have you been? So anyway, he texts me, and he's like, you need to see the documentary Earthlings. And I know it came out a long time ago, but it's got Joaquin Phoenix in it, and I'm a big fan. And I was like, okay, I, I guess I can check it out, and it's free on their website, or at least it was at the time. So I sit down to watch this documentary, and I'm like maybe five minutes into it. And I text Mark, and I'm like, you know what, Mark? I don't think I can watch this movie. And I don't remember what the runtime for the film is, but it's way longer than five minutes. So it was already, <laughs> it was already so graphic and so upsetting that I actually made my dog leave the room. So I wouldn't, oh. I like was like, cause you need to wait outside while I watch this. I just, cause there's, they show dogs in it too, being yeah. skinned alive. Oh and my I was God. like, I was like, cause you need to step outside. And so <laughs> my dog's outside of the room. I'm texting Mark. I'm like, I don't think I can do this. And he was like, look, this is basically, I can't remember word for word, but he was like, this is basically the last thing that you need to see to really understand, right? Because he was like, I know you don't eat meat anymore, but there's so much more damage that's being done beyond just eating meat. Like just the dairy industry, like you said, for example, is particularly gruesome. And just the impact on the environment. But this film specifically looks at the impact on the animals because it's called Earthlings because they're trying to send the message that we're all Earthlings and um, inhabitants of this planet and we all matter. So anyway, I text him, well, I'm like, I can't get through it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I have such a terrible memory. I just want to say this before I forget. The thing that yeah. I that I found very interesting about going vegan too is exactly what you just said, is the disassociation we have in our markets to like not recognize consciously what we're eating. So instead of calling it cow, people make fun of me all the time. They're like, oh, you don't eat cow? And I'm like, right, you call it beef so that you're not thinking about the animal that it actually is. 
an earthling, right? right? You call Absolutely. it, I think like chicken is the only thing that we call what it is, like chicken, lamb, rabbit, but those are like more delicacies. They're not really things we eat, but it's like, we don't call everything chicken, right? We call it poultry instead of bird. Right, right. It is weird. And I think it keeps us, it keeps us a step away from, a step apart from what it really is and where yeah. it's coming from. Definitely, because I think it's interesting to see children's reactions or even adults. Oh, like if yeah. you're at like a petting zoo and they're like, oh my God, I love ch- to see chickens and baby pigs. And I'm like, but you probably had bacon this morning. So like, it's, it, people just don't make that connection and it they freaks don't. me out. No, I well, didn't used to either. So like, no judgment, I get it. Right, <laughs> but the, when you come just, out the other side, it's so great because then you like, you're like, we went to a petting zoo recently down in Beaumont and I'm like petting mm-hmm. the pigs and I'm just like, I'm so glad I don't eat you anymore. <laughs> like, you know right. what I mean? I don't feel like a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> totally, because I'd feel so ashamed. I'm like, if I was petting a pig and like it had had pork I mean honestly though I didn't really eat pork before I gave it anyway but yeah that's a whole other thing no it's fine it's totally important point I totally agree um so anyway Mark basically as he does was like I just think that this is something you need to do and of course having like this like blind faith in Mark's knowledge I was like okay Mark (laughs) so (laughs) I was like he must know so I watched he carries himself that way (laughs) he does in everything I he he could probably sell me anything I would just be like Okay. He's great. He's great. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. And I know I don't know how I've known him for this many years and I still fall for it. Every, Every time. time. Yeah. I'm like, but Mark said. <laughs> like, no, he's the end all be all. It's hilarious. Anyway. It's something. Um, so anyway, so he, he coaxed me into it. So I'm sitting here watching this documentary and I'm like sweating. And then like I'm crying at certain points and I started to feel nauseous. I don't even know if I really ate anything the rest of that day because I was just so grossed out. But basically... I get to the end of the documentary and I was like, okay, we're going vegan. We have to go vegan. Like I couldn't look at my dog. <laughs> I couldn't look at any living thing and, and continue to eat animal products. I just couldn't do it. So I basically went down to my pantry downstairs and I started just, I hate to be wasteful, but I freaked out. I threw away everything that wasn't vegan. And I was like, okay, we have to start over. And I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. I don't recommend that for my clients or people who come to me and ask me about veganism I do believe it's more sustainable if you do it slowly but I'm not that kind of woman that's not how I do things Mm -hmm. I was like this is happening now so I jumped straight into it and um after a little while I reached out to Mark I told him that I had gone vegan and um you know it was really hard to get through the documentary but I did it and then he proceeded to respond to me and say oh well I actually haven't seen it (laughs) And I was like, what? Like, I I cried my way through this entire thing. You insisted that I watch it. And he was like, no, I've never seen it before. <laughs> he was like, he was like, but I don't need to see it. And I was like, what? What do you mean you haven't seen it? I was so, so angry, but also so grateful to be vegan that, like, I had so many mixed feelings about him responding that way. But right. it just... Ugh, and yeah. he still to this day hasn't seen it. He's so well. He's so infuriating. He sent me something on Instagram the other day about goat's milk, and I was like, like showing like abuse to goats, and I'm like, no, no, no. I don't eat goat anymore. Nothing from a goat. I don't need to see this anymore. You can punish people who still eat goats with this. I'm done. Right. And he totally. was like, well, I just thought, I thought you'd appreciate it. I was like, no, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> no, most people don't appreciate like the shock value of that sort of thing. And it's funny that you say that because he sent me the same video yeah yeah right I didn't watch it and then I, I responded either. like 
I responded and said, oh, God, that's awful. But I didn't actually watch it because <laughs> I was like, well, you didn't watch Earthlings. I don't need to watch any of the stuff you send me now. But um, I yeah. just figured it's the same thing he said to me, like, oh, I don't need to see it because I already know. Well, that's how I feel. So I don't know why he's still sending me this stuff. You know what, though? I think, like, for anybody who's listening, I do have to say, because I've kind of gone back and forth with my mom on this, too, it is super important to watch at least one video. Like the one that I watched, I watched actually, I remember specifically sitting in a Starbucks drive through line and I started crying to the point where I got to the window. I was like in tears and mom was like, are you okay? And I was like, I just watched this video like of horrible, horrible abuse to cows. But until mm. you expose yourself to the video, you cannot get the visceral experience and the importance and magnitude of why making this lifestyle and well, this dietary change, which becomes a lifestyle change, why it's so important, not just for the animal, but also for you, because just spiritually and mentally, just all the things that you feel from from becoming plant based, it really does change your lifestyle. And that's like a great segue into what you do because your life has changed a lot from it and I know like a lot of people that you work with your clients their lives have no doubt changed from it as well yeah so it's been it's been kind of wild so I've been in the uh the fitness industry for almost a decade now and um so I was in the fitness industry before being vegan and now well you know as a vegan and um I work as an online personal trainer and I'm a certified a nutrition coach and I specifically work with people or women who are um, interested in either going vegan or eliminating things from their diet that are um, causing problems and, and nine times out of ten it's actually dairy um, and meat so I do get a lot of vegetarians who are trying to give up dairy things like that so it's been um, life-changing really to to be in the fitness industry the way it is traditionally and then to become a vegan and realize that the industry that I'm working in is in direct opposition to everything that I believe and that I now know and so so it, fascinating it's, it's wild so um, why don't why don't you tell everybody a little bit about how like what made you take in particular an, an interest in fitness and then I, I want you to kind of emphasize the, the gym culture that you were telling me about when you realized that you needed to kind of create your own space in that, um, in that space. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. I, I hated exercising earlier on in life up through maybe my second year in college. And the only reason why I hated exercising was because I... I didn't understand how to do it or why I was doing it or or any of those things. Um, I grew up with a dad who, and he still is very athletic. He used to be a wrestler. He was a gymnast. Early on, he was a bodybuilder for a short time, and then he moved on to triathlons. And so he's always just been like the epitome of fitness. And like for me, you know, I remember spending a lot of time in the daycare center at my dad's gym because he was there once or twice a day, you know? So wow. I just spent a lot of time in gyms. Um, but what's really interesting was that he never passed any of that knowledge on to me ever. So like when I started to show an interest and in potentially like getting on the treadmill we had at home and like just seeing what that was all about, it ended up being more of like, it was difficult for me because I didn't know what I was doing. And then when I didn't spend as much time on the treadmill as I guess he thought was appropriate, he, I remember him giving me a hard time about it and being kind of like sh sort of 
he shamed me about it, which was really weird. And instead of making that like a teaching moment, like, oh, my daughter doesn't know how to keep pace. She doesn't know how to keep track of her heart rate. She doesn't even know why she's on this treadmill. Like, let me use this opportunity to educate her because this has been my lifelong hobby and passion. It ended up just being like this, this like shaming moment for me. And so after that, I didn't get on a treadmill for more than like 10 years because I, it just was immediately like, oh, I fail at this. I, this isn't for me. And Mm -hmm. There was another incident, well, there's been several <laughs> with my dad, unfortunately, but growing up when I was um, probably preschool through early elementary, I was in dance. So I was in, you know, gymnastics and ballet and tumbling and I was in tap and I I loved it. I just wanted to dance and I, well, I mean, so many young kids do. I don't know what that's about. We just, it just feels good to dance. And like, yeah, more people should dance as adults, I think. Absolutely. They had that figured um, out in like the 40s and 50s, you know, when they actually yeah. had like styles of dance and now we just kind of stopped. <laughs> yeah. I kind of just throw my body around the living room, but it feels good. So it's fine. Now, <laughs> um, it's, just, now it's just like dry humping. Right. Not quite. Well, when I'm no. alone, it's more like this weird flaily like noodle dance. Oh, when I'm alone, I'm definitely dry humping. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, maybe I need to try that. Maybe yeah, I'm doing Get a it body wrong. pillow. It really helps. <laughs> just get Perfect. In. Perfect. I, I know what I'm doing after this uh, interview. So um, <laughs> anyway, there was this time when basically he, he stopped taking me to my um, dance lessons. And honestly, I don't recall as a kid. I don't remember why we, they, my parents stopped taking me. It could have been a million reasons and maybe it was explained to me, but it's one of those memories that I just don't recall that portion. I just remember him saying to me, well, you, you don't need to continue dancing anyway. You don't have the body to be a dancer. Hmm. And I swear to God, I was like eight. <laughs> and I was like, I'm eight. I don't even have a body yet. Like, I mean, like what? <laughs> and so it was so incredibly discouraging because I, I mean, it's obvious why it's discouraging. But for me, I, I thought that I was going to potentially continue ballet through high school, through college, like into adulthood. It was something I was really passionate about. And I honestly haven't had very many things in my life since then that I've been very passionate about you know, at least until fitness. And that so, makes me so sad. It's like people don't realize, like, even if it's set off the cuff, like, kids are sponges, man, and they, like, hang on to shit. You have to be so yeah. careful what you say. I know I'm I haven't so even sorry. told him about this. Oh, th- thanks. No, that yeah. sucks because, like, I didn't do dance either. I, like, kind of grew up in my sister's athletic shadow, so I was always trying to do, like, softball and the things that I also didn't have the body type for. And um, dance was something that I think I really wanted, but I wanted to be like my sister more. Mm-hmm. And I, I just like that's a it's a kind of a, a point. It's a sore spot for me, dance, because it did. It brought me so much joy and I loved it so much. But so I, that just particularly resonates and makes me sad. Like, I'm really sure. sorry to hear that. Mm, thank you. Yeah. And it's funny. I haven't brought it up to him. I don't think he even knows that. I don't think we've even had this discussion. So it's interesting <laughs> to be saying it now. Yeah. Um, and but what matters is though it all comes back around and I ended up where I wanted to be and I'm not a dancer but I I am passionate about what I do and so you know it's not like I let it like keep me down or hold me down it just sort of maybe changed my trajectory but Mm -hmm. I'm not in a bad place I'm just in a different place so to get back onto the story sorry I will always like distract (laughs) no I love it it's perfect um that's totally how my brain works so through high school, I had all these weird stomach issues and a lot of it was related to stress because I had a really stressful home life. But um, what I didn't realize was most of the issues I was having was related to what I was eating. So I'm lactose intolerant. In high school, I was in and out of all of these 
doctor's offices, all these specialists. I had an endoscopy. I was gluten-free for a year. You had an they endoscopy were when you were in high school? I did. Wow. Yeah. It was wild. And that's how my mom found out I had a tattoo because she had to drive me. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I guess she had to dress me. And then later she was like, when did you get a tattoo? And I was like, what? Dude, <laughs> the ladies dressed me. I, I did not remember getting dressed. I just I had my first either. endoscopy. It's fucking weird. They give you drugs and then like it feels like two seconds went by and you're like, did that even happen? You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll post my video post- Oh endoscopy. Gosh, did you have a video? Kevin your... Kevin took one because I was so out of it. Like I honestly like I I think it's, I thought I was really funny. <laughs> I'm sure you were hilarious. <laughs> but I was just like I, it, what's really funny is I, my mom asked about it and that was exactly how she reacted. But but it's such a weird fucking experience. I can't imagine getting one that young as a kid. Yeah, it was crazy. So I also had like an x-ray done of my stomach and like all this stuff and um Basically, before the endoscopy, they had me go gluten-free for a year because this is when they were just handing out that, like, celiac diagnosis, which they still are, by the way. Yeah, I know. I hate to break it to you, but only, like, 1% of the population even has an actual gluten intolerance. No offense, everyone. But um, (laughs) But it's the truth. (laughs) It's the truth. Um, And so they threw that at me, and I was gluten-free for a year. I was like, no, I still feel awful. So that's when they did the endoscopy. So long story short, I go through all of this. And they just slapped me with an IBS diagnosis. And for those of you who don't know what IBS is, it's irritable bowel syndrome. And it's a really common diagnosis to give to people who have basically sensitive stomachs and doctors don't know why, right? So it's like this umbrella diagnosis, which is really frustrating. Um, And never was there a conversation about possible sensitivities to certain foods other than this the gluten. They didn't even bother to ask about dairy or what my regular nutrition was and... um, what I want to know really quickly is what are yeah. what's everyone's like beef <laughs> with yeah. with gluten, but like they'll never bring up meat because when I when I was suffering from like horrendous migraines, like I went to a neurologist, and at the time I was dating this guy was it like he was pretty much vegan at the time, and um, he was like it's because of your diet, it's because of your diet, you eat so much processed foods. This was like over a decade ago, and my doctor's like no no. One of my favorite things is that same guy gave me a book called Food Rules. I think the author's name is by it's John. John Pollock mm-hmm. and it's like a very quick easy book and it's like these old adages I think that's the right term that your mm-hmm. grandparents used to say like it's better to pay the grocer than the doctor it's like don't buy right. things with more than four ingredients like that's like a page right it's mm-hmm. little rules like that but the better to pay the grocer than a doctor it's so true and you really realize that when you're vegan because you start really taking care of what you're putting in your body and as you're about to you know explain and I just went through with the endoscopy like you realize oh most of my ailments are because of what I'm feeding myself right but there's no money in that for doctors and now I'm off my soapbox continue okay (laughs) sorry you're totally right no you're absolutely right and it's frustrating because as a kid whose parents are just like oh the doctors will fix her um and the doctors aren't helping you know it's frustrating and actually the majority of doctors or MDs take less than 14 hours I want to say of nutrition the required nutrition classes and so I could potentially know more than your MD about potentially I I mean I don't know your MD but no (laughs) sure I hear what you're saying and so one thing that I learned was um in Dr. Michael Greger's book How Not to Die he talks about how not it's to die. not really encouraged. <laughs> yeah, it's really aggressive, the title. I think he's trying to get I love people's it. attention. Kind of um, like this podcast title. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
But he talks about how it's not really beneficial for the entire system, especially the healthcare system in the United States, for our doctors to be fixing us with food. And even if they wanted to, they don't know how because they weren't taught that. Mm-hmm. So it's just a it's a lose lose situation for everybody. So basically, at the end of all these tests, all they determined was that I was severely constipated. That was all they could do for me. So they were like, "You need fiber." like now. So I started taking like sugar-free Metamucil every day, but that was their suggestion. Suggestion, Sorry. They weren't like, oh, eat cruciferous vegetables or some like natural, you know, vegetables and fruits that have natural fiber. They were like, oh, just take some Metamucil. You'll be fine. And so I took Metamucil every day for like years, but I wasn't changing my nutrition. So it wasn't until college. um, And basically my boyfriend at the time, my husband now, Brian, was like, you know, why don't we try to eat a little healthier together? But this did not mean vegetarian yet. We weren't ready. So we were eating healthier together and he was like, maybe exercise and see how it makes you feel, especially because my moods are affected by how active I am. So I started doing like workout DVDs and when I really like something, I really like it. So I got hooked on these workout DVDs and I was just, my energy was changing and my, um, I just felt better, but I still wasn't like healthy. I mean, like I still feel like my skin was a funny color and like I still had to take Metamucil. So I wasn't fixing all the problems just yet. And it wasn't until I started working at this gym where they were, um, my boss was training me for Miss California Mm -hmm. that I had to start eating an insane amount of chicken breast. And I just was following whatever regimen they gave me. And, um, I basically, by the end of all the training for that, and I got really lean and I looked great for the show and that was awesome. But by the end of it, just the smell of meat. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Just made me so nauseous, any kind of meat. And I was like, if I have to put one more chicken breast in my mouth, I think I'm going to just die like I just couldn't I couldn't have it around me it couldn't be cooking I couldn't walk through a restaurant that had it so like just seeing meat just and smelling it just was like overwhelming and so getting rid of meat was initially less about the animals as much as I've been an animal lover my whole life and like as a kid I hated SeaWorld because I told my mom the pools were too small like I've always been like top of mind about animals but it that in particular was more of like I can't stomach this anymore I have to stop and so when I stopped eating meat, Brian, he, he went pescatarian for a little while. So he wasn't ready to give up tuna. He was like all about getting the protein from tuna. But anyway, it started with that. And it was mostly just out of like a disgust for, for meat. So that's sort of where it began. And then it eventually transitioned into, you know, all of this education that I received from Mark over the years. And then it finally like clicked for me one day and then it all fell into place. And honestly, all of the health problems I had just just went away. Like all the stomach issues, it just it just vanished and my skin looked super clear. And I mean, anyone who's known me a long time would probably tell you that they've always hated me because I've always had really nice skin. But it's Yeah, really, your skin's amazing. Thank you. But there's still <laughs> been like there's still like this glow, this like vegan glow that yeah. I didn't used to have. It's it's a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. Kelly Kelly Jackal has it too. 
she's super glowy. Like yeah, and so does Mark. And so did Courtney. I'm like, who else do I know that's vegan? I'm not. I'm not fully vegan. I'm pescatarian. I'm a pescatarian who still eats the occasional chicken. Yeah, yeah. But you still look glowy too. Um, I could get more glowy. <laughs> But but my thing is I I'm on board with the like you can eat what you can kill because I'm comfortable killing a fish. I mean, I'm uncomfortable killing a fish, but I'm comfortable with that discomfort, if that makes sense. I will go and fish my own things Um, because it does do something weird. I try to tell people too, like you have you have like an appreciation for life when you take something's life and when you're eating it. It was funny. That was the thing is I became way more spiritual and I started like praying to the fish. And I was like, thank you for sacrificing your life for my own. And you just like, I don't know, the meal became more beautiful that way. And I don't know, there's like, there's like a strange thing that happens. But okay, so that was how your diet changed. Mm -hmm. And then you were telling me, which I found so interesting, is you were saying you didn't like gym culture. And that kind of inspired you to create your own kind of fitness culture, so to speak, that combines being vegan. Yeah. So, um, you know, through my my years in the, the fitness industry, starting from when I was in college until well after, um, I've worked at all different types of places, a lot of big box gyms, physical therapy offices, um, you know, colleges even, working in their fitness facilities. And I think the overwhelming feeling was that it was all dripping with toxic masculinity all the time (laughs) and as a younger Anastasia like in college still for me as much as I hated that I was like this is just the this is how I'm going to make money I just need to let this be around me and be disgusting but just like just keep your head down and just do your job and you know like it was my approach to it was a little bit different than it is now (laughs) Um, and I feel like the years of being in that environment I mean and given all of my like just life history with toxic masculinity I just I kind of lost it I was like I can't fucking do this anymore like it was just well what specifically about the culture were things that made you like feel dirty and you didn't want to be there was it was it just those stereotypical like gym rat men being stereotypical gym rat men or was it that you felt like they didn't factor in like the female form as much. What about the system did you want to improve? Right. That's a good question. And I feel like I want to change all of it. But um, <laughs> and it's, it's both of it's all of those things. But I think initially, I think what I first started to notice was that a lot of the gym, these gyms that I was working in were just built for men's bodies. And if they, even if some of it would have been accessible for women, they weren't there wasn't any room to learn. No one was there teaching them. And so I was watching Mm. these personal trainers working with their female clients and trying to get them to do shit they shouldn't have been doing, um, just stuff that was dangerous. Either they weren't ready for it or just not progressing them in a way that was appropriate. And uh, there's a, a really yucky mentality of like, just like push yourself right like they're all football coaches Mm -hmm. and they're like just keep going and I'm like no there's a you need to listen to your body like and that's that goes for men too but like they should also be listening to their bodies when they're training but I just feel like there's just this like oh keep going and even if it hurts that's okay push through and like some of the goals of a lot of the the male trainers I interacted with for them they were like oh if I can get my client to throw up by the end of the session like we've got this and I'm like Jesus "Hmm, Christ throw up yeah, so that's kind of like, I know it was a good session if my clients are vomiting, you know, it's just, 
it was so gross and so not true and <laughs> none of that is okay it's abusive in my opinion and oh, yeah I, that's awful it was terrible and I even had um for a while my mom had a trainer and she ended up tearing a rotator cuff because she was like hey you know my shoulder like this doesn't feel right and he kept pushing and pushing and it was like this constant mm-hmm. like you're just not being tough enough right and she ended up tearing it and like could, then she couldn't even use her arm at all so she had to like she ended up detraining because she couldn't exercise after that because she had to see a doctor about getting her rotator cuff fixed so it was just the way that clients were being treated was inappropriate um i think a lot of the men that i've worked for over the years have crossed some boundaries not no i'm not going to make excuses for them they've crossed some boundaries and a lot of times <laughs> that a girl <laughs> they're in charge and in some cases in some of these facilities they were private facilities so there was no human resources Mm. so it was sort of a situation where I was like okay I have to just speak up for myself if something really crosses a line where I really just it's really not okay but for the most part it was just a matter of like coping I guess yeah at the time and it's hard when you're fresh out of college and no one's paying you what you're worth but you want to learn in this this environment and most of the people I learned from weren't the, the men in those gyms it was it, the women and there weren't that many of us but there was one trainer I worked with in particular and she's fantastic she was always really good with her clients and she worked with people of all ages even children and I still know her to this day and she's like a mastermind at what she does and we both sort of found a friendship in each other being in these really gross environments because we knew we could learn from one another and we could count on each other and I don't know. We kind of like made a safe bubble inside of these like gross gyms. So there's a lot of that. I think too, a lot of the focus um, in a lot of these facilities is to sell a bunch of product that people don't need. And a lot of times that product is being sold. And by product, I mean supplements. So right. um, these supplements are being sold in, in irresponsible ways. So it, for example, I had a client who I worked with on a regular basis, so I knew that she had diabetes. And I overheard someone at the front counter, one of the uh, the managers of the location, trying to sell her carb blockers and like all of these other supplements. And I was like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Did you even ask her if she had any conditions that would be affected by this? Like, do you even know her name? Like, have you even had a discussion with her about what her goals are and what she's tried to do? None of that. And I was like, you can't sell her carb blockers. She has diabetes. And the girl was like, oh, okay, we'll just throw those out. But all these other ones are great. And she's trying to get her to spend $300 on supplements she doesn't need. And my issue with that is I I do understand it's a business and they have to sell things (laughs) to make money. I get that. But it's it's being done irresponsibly and at the detriment yeah. of these clients and that woman, none of those supplements were going to make her lose the weight she needed to lose for her health to well, improve her diabetes. It sounds to me like the typical, I'm not a gym person. Let's just get that very straight. But <laughs> um, it seems to me from the outside looking in that yes, of course there's motivation to sell and upsell and sell products or whatever, but it seems like the whole gym culture, again, generally speaking, is just get buff and look good as opposed to like actually live your best life in the way your body is supposed to naturally be. Like as a natural thin person, everybody's always like, you need to eat more, you need to eat more, put on more weight, do this, do that. This is my natural body. And when I have a little bit of muscle, which you and I talked about when I pole dance, like that puts 
the right amount of muscle on me. But the minute I stop pole dancing, that muscle goes away and I look like I haven't been eating. I know that like feeding myself shit just to gain weight and look a certain way is not healthy. There's a difference between like being like, hey, I want to put on 15 pounds for this reason versus I want my body to be like a like it's a, my machine. I want it to be running on the best fuel that this particular right. make and model needs, right? <laughs> exactly. Which is what you you had said to me one time. I think I even have it in my notes here. You said like, um, and it's on your website. One size does not fit all, and that applies to the way you perceive fitness and nutrition. Right. Thank you for bringing that up, and you're totally right. It took a long time to get to that point, right? So because I really fed into the whole you need a lot of meat and a lot of protein and you need to do a crazy amount of cardio and you need to look a certain way, right? And I did that. I got to the point where I was super lean. I did this pageant. I've not looked like that again because I was hungry and I was sick of eating chicken. But basically, um, it sort of shaped how I approach my clients now. So one, I don't believe in a one-size-fits-all approach. I do not believe that my my clients don't have to be vegan and they don't even have to be interested in going vegan. Do I think that a lot of people who have worked for me have learned things that they didn't know that have inspired them to make positive changes? Absolutely. But there's no pressure like you got to give it all up because again, it goes back to the same thing. There isn't a one size fits all. Veganism might not be right for that person and I'm not here to tell them that. So my approach is I talk to each person and I really get to know them. I ask them, what have you done? What have you not done? What's your goal? Like, why are you here? You're obviously here sitting here talking to me because you need something and and you haven't been able to do it on your own. What, what do you need and how can I help you get there, basically? And it's been amazing to connect with all these women who have all these different conditions that have changed things for them or had an effect hormone changes depending on their age because I worked with... I always work with people who are 18 or older, but when I get um, people in their early 20s or women in their early 20s where hormonal changes are affecting their weight and they just don't know what to do, and I, you know, I'm here to help support them as they figure figure all of that out. And your body's changing so much at that. So, like, so much. what could work for you at 23 might not be the same thing that works for you now at 29. And it absolutely is totally different, right? Yeah. Even just in that span of time. And so um, the other thing that I've gotten rid of that I really hated from um, all the other places I've worked is we don't do a before and after photos. Oh, I don't great. believe in it. So for me, this really isn't about the way you look. It's about how you feel. Feel. That's right? what That's I was telling you thing. S Factor was. So I was, I was telling Anastasia earlier that I I don't like working out. I started getting into this pole dance class because as we just talked about on this episode, like I love dance. And unless you start dance at three, at 25, you're gonna be in a ballet class with, you know, three year olds mm-hmm. <laughs> and then a beginning <laughs> level. So for me, I happened to see like pole dancing on Chelsea lately, I think it was at the time. And I was like, oh, that seems interesting. I'm in LA, I should go do it. And I did it. And Sheila Kelly at S Factor teaches like, there are no mirrors in the studios, like traditional dance studios, because it's not about how you look doing the moves. It's about honoring your body and moving the way that feels best and really just connecting with what makes you feel good. And so I love that you're saying that because it's the same idea in a different format. So that's great. Right. And thank you. And I think that's amazing. And it's funny you brought up the pole dancing. Um, I tried a pole dancing class last year. And Did it was you? Sur- <laughs> yes. And well, pre-COVID, so like early. Because I'd always wanted to do it. And I bought these amazing heels. And I was it was 
amazing. So anyway, um, <laughs> I hated that there were mirrors in the room so, and it stressed me out because I could, I could see myself. So it's interesting that the, the class you're in didn't have mirrors. And because I was so worried about how I looked and how I looked to the other people in the class, I actually kicked the shit out of the pole. And, and seriously almost broke my toe because I was so fixated on like, how do I look doing this that I didn't see that I had swung my leg, not so sexily, straight into the pole, my big toe, like right into it. And I, I like went down on my knees. I was like, oh my God. And I played it off like it was okay, but it was not. It was- oh, I've done that. I fell off the pole uh, one time. They call it so oh, no. when you're dancing, they, they have, there's like a state of euphoria, but that, and, but then you can reach a point of nirvana, which they tell you to be like, cause they teach you to like dance out of your head. Right. So you're not, you're mm-hmm. not self-conscious at all. You're just like in it. And right. when you hit nirvana, that's where they're like, you're too cocky. So oh. you basically have left your body and you've thrown caution to the wind and you're not, you're, there's supposed to be this perfect balance of being present, but not being, how do I say this? Like you're conscious, but like your subconscious is taken over. And when okay. you hit nirvana, it's just you're you're not in your body. And so you do things that are really um, risky. And like that happened to me. I hit nirvana and I was like, it's going to be hard for our listeners to understand, but you're, <laughs> you can see me. So this is the pole and my legs are uh-huh. on either side of it. And I was like holding myself up with my thighs and then like my body just relaxed is what happened. So my muscles disengaged and I fell backwards head first. And it was like the longest, shortest fall of my life because I was all the way at the top of like this 10 foot pole. Oh my God. And so, and I came to as I'm falling and I'm like, oh my God, you're falling right. I've been dancing for seven years at this point. I'd never fallen once. And I was like, oh my God, you're falling. You're totally falling. You're totally falling. You're about to break your fucking neck. And I don't know how the hell it happened. I like caught around the pole with my arm and like caught myself in the splits. I don't even know how it came upright. I had another friend um, who broke her toe pole dancing as well. Like pole injuries are very serious. I believe it. I hadn't even gotten to anything advanced, but that's wild. (laughs) Um, No, she was teaching it like a dance Imagine if you had though. (laughs) I know. If I'd been 10 feet off the ground, I would have totally fallen. Um, But anyway, it was just funny you brought that up. It's interesting that they didn't have mirrors. And I think I would have preferred that because I get really in my head about things. And I get slightly competitive. And I think I was watching everyone around me. The competitive thing is real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I (laughs) I fucked up. (laughs) I've been to studios like that with the mirrors. And I did not like it for that reason. The competitive Mm -hmm. thing is like a real thing. And you feel like you should be able to keep up with people. But there's also like pole fitness classes, which I'm... I'm really against it's well I took one and they were like kind of what you were saying about the gym culture it was Mm -hmm. like do this many pull-ups they call them pull-ups and I was like I was like but you haven't warmed me up enough to where like my muscles can do that like I'm gonna I could really injure myself totally like because that's it's hard it seems easy but anyway like I know it's you're right there's like not a lot of there's not a lot of individual attention, even with private fitness like sessions. Mm-hmm. There just doesn't seem to be a lot of like focus on the individual, ironically. Right. No, and there isn't. And that was what was frustrating when I started working. So I was a group fitness instructor before I was a personal trainer. So I was teaching large groups and I was always walking around the room to keep an eye on everyone. Because when you're teaching 30 people at once, you really have to make sure everyone's okay. And before each class, I would say, if you have an injury, 
please come up to me and speak to me before class. I need to know what it is so that I can modify for you so I know where everybody's at. So I was always super aware of that. Um, and when I went into personal training, the way our hours were set up, we would basically be allowed to clock in like five minutes before a session and I would have to create a routine on the fly and then just train this person. And sometimes it was before the first time we'd even worked out together. So sure, I can come up with something generic, but I don't really know this person. And so you have an initial evaluation, but usually the supervisor would do that. And so they would kind of, they would give you a sheet of paper that would say, oh, one hip sways to the left or like there's some tightness here or there, but I hadn't seen it for myself, but they wouldn't allow us any additional time to prepare for that and so I'm just creating these programs on the fly and then sometimes to keep clients happy they would allow the client's kid to do the session with them and I was like whoa I don't specialize Mm -hmm. in working with minors that's a totally different thing right and like I don't know if this kid is in sports I don't know if this kid has any pre-existing conditions or injuries and like it was very like casual it was just like we're just gonna throw this mother and son at you and you're gonna train them both together it was basically like get as many people in and out as possible and they didn't give us really the time to be prepared (laughs) to make it personal for that person and it's supposed to be personal training I think that's like my biggest bitch in life right now honestly is I feel like everyone is so focused on money Mm-hmm. that they're not focused on the actual purpose of why they're trying to make the money they're making. Right. Like, I mean, I know it's very idealistic of me, but I wish people could be like, this sounds really stupid, but like I do this podcast because I want to help young 20-somethings like me kind of have a little more awareness than I did so that they can navigate their way around situations that I wish I didn't have to go through. That doesn't sound right? stupid. I, I wish this existed in my 20s. I would have totally benefited <laughs> from this. So no, I think what you're doing is amazing. But I don't, I'm not making money off of this right now, right? So I'm like doing this just purely because I want to do good. Ideally, you want to make money out of whatever work you're putting in, right? But I don't think we should ever lose sight of the fact. This is so funny because you and I were talking about what we were reading the other day and I was talking about Grapes of Wrath and this is why I like Grapes of Wrath is it's like the whole premise of the book is basically like farmers are getting pushed out of their land because banks aren't making enough money and and it, it's just, you know, it's capitalism and how it works and it's, it's a domino effect and I think capitalism is great but it has, you know, its flaws as well. And I I wish that in us taking advantage of capitalism, we could remember to be kind and good to each other and value everyone's well-being first and foremost, above making money. Because, I don't know, like fitness and health, it's just such a, it's such an ugly beast because it's like designed to make us think that people care but at the end of the day, there's it's really about the dollar. And it's like, well, how can we help people enough to where we stay profitable? You know? Right. And and that's like a super cynical view. I know that's not how everyone is, but I think my fear is that that's the way that's the direction the world seems to be going in more and more. Is it's like I I have more skepticism than I do optimism that people are actually creating products because they genuinely want to make a difference. Sure. You know, but it seems it's totally fine. Do you disagree with that? Because you look like you might, which is great. No, 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 no. I, I think that the world has proven to us that what you're saying is mostly true. <laughs> Most of the time that that's true. And I think our experiences in our lives up until now have proven you right. So, no, I, I agree with you. And I think that was part part of the gym culture that I didn't like was that I felt that my clients 
we're just numbers. Like we need right, to just right, train right. as many people as possible. And I was basically, you could walk into any of these, these big box gyms and not a single person is thinking, how am I going to make this other person's life better? And that's not to say there aren't trainers who feel that way, but I'm correct, saying the correct, people totally. in charge, the people in charge are like, this is a conveyor belt of people who are miserable or unhappy or either because of the way they look or the way they don't look. And let's, Let's funnel them through and then let's lean on that sadness so that they open their wallets, right? As opposed to like, right. this person legitimately needs help. And we have the tools to do that, but we're opting to, to treat them like any other person that walks through the door. And if you spend the time to get to know each of these people, they have stories, they have lives, they have families. They There's a reason why they need to be there and we're not, we're doing them a disservice by treating them like a number because that's not what they are yeah and I don't I don't think people mean to do that I think it's just kind of the thing that happens when when you get into like the routine of doing it you kind of forget that that goes on the back burner and or the demand is so high you can't there's not enough time to do that and I, I think like that's what I'm saying is like that really makes me sad outside of doing what you did which is great and I wish more people would do it I don't know how we fix that problem which again what you did was you kind of and there's so much to cover with you but you ultimately did start your own business during covid but i know you you were talking about doing group training and stuff like that and so before we talk about you starting your business i i did want to get into something that you had said to me earlier which i thought was super interesting which was all the degrees you have and the difference in those degrees or certifications. So I got my uh, certification as a group fitness instructor while I was still in college. So I started exercising. I was super excited about it. And I did a program and I'm not going to say whose program it was, but I actually, I got really lean, but I was starving. And I, I realized in that moment that I needed to actually educate myself instead of just taking this a famous trainer's word for it that I should be doing what she said to do. So I was like, I need to do something about this. So I got certified as a group fitness instructor and I started teaching classes at the gym at my college. I went to Cal Poly Pomona, go Broncos. And um, <laughs> so I was teaching there for a while. And then um, I stayed in group fitness for a number of years and I had the opportunity to work with seniors for the first time. And one of, I only had two clients, uh, one of them, she was in her nineties and she was just, just a firecracker. I absolutely loved her. Um, and then my male client, he had Parkinson's and not only had I not had very much experience with folks who are older, um, but I also hadn't worked with anyone with Parkinson's. And so this was very much like a throw her in the pool and she's going to learn how to swim situation. (laughs) And I think initially I was nervous being around these clients because I just, I don't want to say that I was afraid of them, but they just seemed so fragile. I was just afraid to break sure. them. And I was like, what, where do I begin with this? Um, and it, it was a little nerve wracking, but I, I did some research on Parkinson's. I learned about the importance of um, activities of daily life and practicing those. And that's really common when you're working with seniors. You want to practice the things that we as young, able-bodied people often take for granted, right? So getting up out of a chair and sitting back down safely, even just walking across the room without tripping on something. So the importance of picking up your feet all the way, because oftentimes people with Mm -hmm. Parkinson's will shuffle and it's really dangerous. Um, So that was hands down the most rewarding I think experience I've had, at least as a group fitness instructor, was working with these two amazing people. And I just learned so much from them, not just as far as fitness goes or Parkinson's or anything like that, but just 
like life shit. They were just these amazing people, and I just adopted them as like grandparents. They were just the best. They love that. <laughs> they were the best, and so I got so excited when they would come in for their sessions, and we were so happy to see each other, and it just it actually felt like exciting to go to work. And I think having been in a really like toxic work environment for them to walk in and to work out with me, it just changed my perspective and it reminded me why I do what I do. And I, it's easy to forget that when you get caught up working for these gyms where the focus is just on making money, but seeing the two of them, it, it, it just sparked my excitement again for the work that I was doing and made me realize I don't just have to train women who are trying to lose weight for their weddings, right? I can actually work with people who need this for their safety to stay alive, right, right, you know? Right. So it, it shifted kind of my perspective on that. But to the other certifications, so it's interesting the way certifications work. Um, I had a group fitness mm-hmm. certification, so technically I could teach a group, but I wasn't supposed to be training one-on-one. So I was like, well, that's limiting. So I went ahead and got certified as a personal trainer through NASM, and that's the National Academy of Sports Medicine. And then I was working as a personal trainer with this certification and group fitness at the same time. And then I found out in California, there are all these limitations to how you can help your clients with nutrition unless you're certified as a nutrition coach. And I was like, well, shit, I can't have all these limitations. So I went ahead and I got certified as a nutrition coach because I felt like, you know, without all of these certifications, I wasn't going to be able to, to help people like the whole person, right? Like food and exercise, the way they move their body. And and I also feel like I help people with a sort of a more spiritual approach, but that's just me. That's personal. That just comes from who I am. I don't need to be certified for that. Like to, to feel people's energy and feel like what I they need. I think they call that certified awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's, I should put that on my resume. Yeah, you <laughs> should. That'd be really funny. <laughs> Maybe I will. <laughs> but basically I had to acquire all of these this all of this knowledge and passed all of these like national exams just so that I could do my job right you know and really yeah. be of service to people because if you've got someone who comes to you because their diet's all screwed up but you're not allowed to help them diet and and I don't believe I don't mean diets I mean diet like what you eat Correct, and exercise yeah. they go hand in hand it, it's so important to have both if you're focusing on lifelong wellness and at mm-hmm. Benchy at my company that's what I believe in that's what I'm striving for I that's why we don't have before and after photos I don't care what you look like naked now and I don't care what you look like (laughs) at the end of my 90 day program that's not what this is about I want you to feel better I want you to feel confident I want you to be able to run around with your kids without getting like winded you know I want you to be able to get back on your roller skates you haven't roller skated since high school like get some fucking roller skates let's go you know like it's about making people feel more confident in who they are because our bodies are our bodies they're they're we were born this way, we're going to have them our whole lives and they're going to stay this way until we die. And the least we can do is try and keep up with taking care of them. Like what better way to show love to yourself than to to feed yourself well and to move your body in a way that shows that you care about it. Well, it's quality of life for sure. I think what you're doing is so, so awesome. And so every time I went through a breakup, I like I would lose my appetite, which wasn't good for me. And mm-hmm. so I was trying to find the right kind of fitness that would cause me to have an appetite. <laughs> Turns out sure. all I really needed was weed. But anyway, 
in the midst of doing this, I tried so many different things. My thing was like, I don't want to feel like I'm working out. I want like the workout to be the bonus, which is ultimately why S Factor worked so well for me because that was like a personal journey. And then like the bonus was, oh, I got a little fit while I was on that like spiritual whatever path. Yeah. But at the time, there really wasn't anything like what you're doing. And that is part of what we already addressed with this, you know, male-dominated gym culture, which Sheila Kelly also talks about. Like, all the gym machines are built for men. They're all linear, where women have curves. And so she embraces, like, the S. That's why it's called S-factor. But right. I thought it was boring. It, it didn't stimulate me mentally. I always have to be stimulated mentally first and foremost. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the point. I didn't have a goal. It felt tedious and arduous. And when I hear you talking about all these things that you do and like improving your quality of life, it's like, yeah, that that sounds like something that really would have grabbed my attention back then when I was looking so tirelessly. So so tell us a little bit about how you came up with VegShe and when you launched it and what the world was like when you did. Okay, so the funny thing is, is I was pulling out of the parking lot of one of the gyms I was working at. This was, I don't know, the end of 2018 maybe. And um, I'm pulling out of the parking lot. I taught a really late night class and I was just kind of daydreaming about another, just another life. I was like, this isn't, I wasn't happy. So I was working at four different gyms. I was banging around in my car or pinging around. I don't know. I was bouncing around in my car (laughs) and all these places. And I was just miserable because it was the same formula. It was like, just get the people in, get the people out. And I was just, I wasn't happy. It was just discouraging. And I had gotten, it had been a couple years since I'd worked with those seniors at that private gym. And I Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My spark of enthusiasm and, like, my joy was just, like, sort of, fading you know and so I'm sitting in my car I'm driving home from work and I was like what if I did this on my own like what if I could do this the way I want to do it and I and my brain so I have a degree in marketing and so sometimes my brain tries to come up with like clever names for things or like I like alliteration it's just shit like that so anyway my brain is always running and I'm driving my car safely but also thinking about other things (laughs) and I was thinking about like my identity and like who I am and I was like okay so I'm vegan and I'm a woman and those are important things. And so I, at some point it just like hit me. I'm like at a stop sign and I was like, Vegshi, that's who I am. I'm Vegshi and that's what I'm going to do. I was like, it just like all hit me. And I got home and I started talking to Brian about it. My husband, for those of you who don't know, he's always very supportive, but he was also like, what are you talking about? Like you, you work at this gym. Like what, what is this about? And I was like, no, I'm not, I need to change what I'm doing. It needs to be different. Well, the funny thing is flash forward a year later, I'm still at these shitty gyms. I'm still working there, but I'm like thinking about veggie and I know I'm going to make it happen. But at the time, my thought process was I'm going to keep having at least somewhat of an income while I'm putting these thoughts and ideas together, right? Because that seemed like what I had always been taught to growing up is like, don't ever quit a job until you've got another backup plan right, basically. Right. And so my like logical brain was like, 
do what you were told and like wait until you've got a you know safety net or whatever. So anyway, January 2020, I find out that there's this event called the Vegan Women's Summit and it's the first all vegan women's summit that's ever happened. And Summits take- always sound so important and like regal. It's a marketing, <laughs> it's a marketing thing, but it was a big deal. I've never been to so- one. Well, when this one comes back, we should go. I think that sounds really awesome. Okay. It was really cool. So I heard about it and the part of my brain that was like, that liked to hold myself back from things. And I do have a part of my brain that totally holds me back. And I think we all do. I I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't speak for everybody, but maybe you guys know what this feels like. No, we totally do. We're trying to break that in this podcast. We know that. Yeah. Yeah. No more holding back. You guys know. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like oh, I see this Vegan Women's Summit. This looks epic and this looks like something I would love. But then I would have to fly to San Francisco and ask my friend Michael if I can crash with him. And then what if I can't get the time off work? And I like all of these fucking what ifs. So then by the time I was like, okay, I'm going to do it, they sold out of tickets. Oh, no. Anyway, I I called a friend and somehow. Oh, you pulled some strings. (laughs) Somehow I was able to get a ticket and I don't know. I didn't know I had strings to pull, but in fact I did. And uh, next thing I knew, yeah, I was you don't get event. what you don't ask for. Do what That's you gotta right. do. No Absolutely. shame. <laughs> <laughs> so I get into this event, and I was surrounded by glowing vegan women, and they and most of them were entrepreneurs. And I was like, "Holy shit! Like this is it. This is where I was supposed to be. These are the people I'm supposed to be sitting with." And like Miyoko was there, and like <gasps> all these fucking amazing vegan like women and they're up there talking and like talking about like their their experience and their stories and like Miyoko didn't really she's been in this industry forever but didn't take off until later right um like later in life so anyway I'm just there and I'm like this is what I have to do like I I gotta stop waiting all of these women are telling me that I need to use the word vegan not plant-based vegan is not a bad word like just embrace the things you want to do so this was like I heard about it in January the event was in February and then COVID hits in March. So now we're to the punchline. This is oh, what you shit. wanted to know. So COVID hits in March. I'm still at that shitty gym because it's only been a couple weeks since the, the the event. Basically, everyone got let go. Everyone got let go from the facility because... Oh, because you guys had to close. Right. So, well, that's the thing that was crazy was the week, probably the second or third week in March, I said to my supervisor, you know, I'm hearing some stuff that's got me a little bit concerned. Are we going to implement more hand sanitizing stations, like anything to make this a little bit safer. And his response was, oh, it's just like the flu, everyone's gonna get it. I was like, fuck, I'm working for the same people I've always worked for. So I immediately, I taught my class that day and then I put it, I was like, I'm subbing out all my classes, I'm not coming in. So, which I never do, cause I'm so type A, right? But I did it. And um, then within three days, I get this email that says, we're shutting down, no one's coming in. Don't worry about subbing your classes, no one's coming. So then like a, a month goes by, and they tried to get us to all come back to work. And then they said it was optional to wear masks. And I was like, wait, it's like April. We're at the beginning of this. I don't know what this is. I'm not coming back to work. Like I can't, it's not safe. I have no idea what's going on. So basically they went about their business. They kept the gym open even when legally they were supposed to be shut down. I don't know the legality behind it, but they just opted to stay open and okay. I didn't return. Um, and then I jumped into action. I was like, okay, I mean, I wasn't necessarily doing all the right things at first, but I jumped into action with Vedshi. I was like, okay, I'm not going to just sit here and twiddle my thumbs while like, you know, people can't work out because it's not safe for them to go to the gym. I need to do something. So the very first thing I did was I started implementing um, a program called Cardio for a Cause. And I was doing these online classes and 50% of the proceeds from the classes would go to a featured charity. 
and I started post posting this on my Instagram. And I like to alternate between charities that are for animals and then charities that are for people, um, just to keep it fair. That's fair. And yeah. <laughs> um, so that was kind of how it started. And then it kind of just like built up from there. People really liked the classes and wanted a regular class on the schedule. So now I have subscribers who take a class with me every Saturday via Zoom. And it's it's been really amazing to see how we can all work out together and still stay connected and reach all of our goals, but like from the comfort of our home with like hardly any equipment. It's been kind of amazing. And then in addition to that, I do custom either nutrition or fitness programs for people who want them. But I can't tell you how much it meant to me and to the I think too, I could speak for the women in my classes, to know that we were gonna see each other every Saturday. So even the the women who are shy who keep their cameras off, like just knowing that we had this time and like I don't know I was holding space for them every Saturday and that we could all come together and like exercise without judgment or expectation was a saving grace for me I felt like I needed it more than anything so as much as this has been like a, an opportunity for me to be of service to other people it's really done a lot for me too how do you feel like it's affected you in all the ways spiritually mentally <laughs> emotionally in all the ways like how is it how has your life changed as a result for the better and like what have you found things to be like more challenging sure so there's definitely a lot of both I think um one thing that's changed for the good that's been really nice is that my perspective on what a career has to be and like where your career has to occur has changed so I think um, growing up with a dad who worked in corporate America and then getting a degree in marketing my understanding of what it meant to have a career was like to work for a company and make six figures and have you know um, benefits and and to go to my cubicle every day you know and like just toil away and so when I started veggie it it occurred to me that i i don't i can throw that idea out the window that that's an old idea and in fact not only is it an old idea but it never would have applied to me i i would have been miserable like that's not who i am i can't even sit still long enough to sit in a cubicle so that just would not have worked out and so for me it's been actually kind of it's been life-changing because my perspective of everything i thought i knew up until i started this when i was 30 so up until 30 it's all been flipped on its head so both difficult to go through that but also very exciting and I think you know some of the challenges that have come with it have been sort of related to the pandemic and also just starting a business during this time completely online so like trying to organically connect with people is difficult I'm honestly not a fan of social media and I've had to become a fan really fast because that's how you reach people now and it's difficult because I'm a pretty private person it might not seem that way because I'm very I'm open when I'm talking to people like I don't filter no, myself I, same same <laughs> I know I, I was like people would never believe when I say I'm private but yeah I I am I liked I have a very like I need to have control over my manicured whatever I'm putting out there exactly and it's been hard because there are times when like I'll bake cookies for example and I'm like I'm gonna just eat these and enjoy them to myself but then I'm like oh but this would make for good content and then there's a part of my brain that's like why the fuck do I have to share everything and so it's hard to be authentic and let people see who I really am while also like creating some privacy for myself well it also just makes everything about work then too which is a conversation Kevin and I have had it's like can't we just Mm -hmm. do something like I I was trying to make ice cream for our our website food shelter sacks and I like cleaned the kitchen and I didn't even realize I didn't freeze the the KitchenAid mixer for the ice cream attachment. You have to let it oh, freeze no. overnight. So like I did all mm-hmm. of this and 
I was just like, I really need to use these oranges. I really need to use these oranges, but I don't have enough time to do this photo shoot. And I was like, this is stupid. I just need to make the fucking ice cream and live my life. (laughs) So I did that and I didn't record it. And I was like, Kevin's like, why do we always have to make everything into work? And it is just such a product of the the way the world is right now. It's not good, like health wise. So it's good to find that balance. I'm glad you had that little like moment of self-checking. Right. And I'm trying. And so what I've done is like I've set business hours because I work at home. And so I have to set business hours, right? So we're nine to five, Monday through Friday. That's it. And I teach the class Saturday morning, but I just, I teach and I edit the video that day, but I'm not like available, (laughs) you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so I've recently set up my phone with this feature I didn't know existed because I have an iPhone. I hate to assume everyone does, but I have one. And, um, It's like this feature where I can basically make my apps unavailable after a certain time. So I've created an app schedule for myself. So I don't get on Instagram after five. And it's because I was checking it obsessively because I was like, what if someone has a question or what if someone needs me? And it sucks because most of the time people aren't like, oh, I want to sign up for a class. They just want to ask some sort of question about something I cooked and they want a recipe, which is great. And I'm happy to help. But I think I wasn't creating like boundaries for myself. And so this one thing that I hate. Boundaries, that word I love. (laughs) Right? My social media was like eating me. And I was like, oh my God, this is taking over my life. So it stopped being fun and everything was becoming work. So that has been a a growing pain for me. Learning to feel comfortable on these YouTube videos I've been creating. Being comfortable just being recorded. that's, That's new for me because I grew up with a mom who was very private and was always like, be very selective about who you let photograph you and like be careful what you say to people. She's very guarded. And so growing up with that, those life lessons to then be like, oh, for my business to be successful, I need to put it all out there. It's really tricky for me. Well, it's really hard too when you're starting up your own business. And I I say that because, you know, we're doing that in many facets over here. Mm -hmm. But like, as I said before, I'm not making any money from this podcast. So like, I can't pay someone to run the social media. I can't pay someone to edit these. So it's like, you have to do it all yourself. And then time management becomes an issue. And, and you only have, like you're saying, like my, my days for social media and emails are all Monday. That's all day Monday. I write on the weekends. And then at some point during the week, I will edit and record. And that's okay. on top of like all the other things we're doing. But it's it's hard to manage it all when you're a one-woman show, <laughs> at least in the yeah. beginning too. Like that's one of the hardest things I think about starting up a company, in fact. It is but, difficult. Yeah. One of the things that you had said earlier I found to be really interesting was that you had found it challenging to take on the role of being an authoritative figure. And the reason I bring that up is because I think that's natural for most women because we're not raised to be authoritative figures. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought like kind of going into that plight would be kind of interesting to talk to you about. It's difficult because so and I think we've talked about this before. A lot of people will just post how they lost weight and then everyone just flocks to that because the obsession is about losing weight, right? And that person has no qualifications whatsoever to make recommendations for your exercise or your nutrition because one size does not fit all, right? It's really dangerous. And so I know so many people who have bought these like programs from some chick they saw on Pinterest who lost weight after her baby, but she doesn't know what she's doing. Something may have worked for her that might not work for you, especially if you have like a medical condition. What I'm trying to sort of educate people about is the importance of being qualified 
qualified to make those recommendations, right? As a personal trainer and a nutrition coach, there are still things I'm not supposed to do. I'm not going to diagnose you. I'm not a doctor, right? As a nutrition coach, I can assist you with calories and your macronutrients if you want to go that deep into it. But if you have a condition that you need to speak to a doctor about, like I'll work with someone's nutritionist, I'll partner with them to make sure that everything is going as it should be, but there are limitations to what I can do too. And I don't work outside of my scope of practice. So the important, the, the important message to, that I'm trying to put out there is you should know who you're getting this information from. Don't just take it from them because they've got before and after photos. There's so much more to it than that. And so establishing myself like you said, as an authority on this information has been part of the challenge. So right now I'm in the process of finishing up my vegan guide and it's taken a long time to write it. And a lot of the feedback I did get from it was that it was helpful, but it felt very academic, but that's deliberate. It's on purpose. I want people to know that I know what I'm freaking talking about. Right. And of course there's always room for me to learn and I'm constantly learning. So one thing people don't probably don't know about the certifications I have is that I have to do continuing education to maintain those certifications. You don't just take the test and then you get certified and that's the end of it. Every two years, I have to complete a certain number of um, continuing education credits by taking classes and going to workshops. So I'm always at the forefront of the newest science that's coming out about nutrition and about fitness. And so like, I'm the person you should be coming to, not some chick you found on Pinterest, right? And so right. I think Telling people why that matters has been um, a little bit challenging, but I'm, I'm trying to be patient. <laughs> I, t- I totally understand that. We, we talked about this a little bit before, too, like earlier. It, it's really interesting as a woman, particularly a young single woman, trying to find your way in the world by carving your own path, especially when it's atypical and not traditional. As you said, it's not the nine to five cubicle. Mm-hmm. And it's scary, right? Because there's always a level of risk involved. But I think a lot of times we don't think about people taking us seriously until we realize they don't. And then we're like, why Why wouldn't you? And I mean, I remember for me, like a lot of times it would be like, I, I look younger than I am and people assume I don't have as much life experience. How, what could I know about whatever problem or like situation I'm in talking about? Sure. But I also think there are now more than ever, but there weren't a lot of, at least for me growing up, women that were in authoritative positions to look up to, to know, oh, that's that's how you hold yourself. That's how you speak. We kind of try to do what men do, which is, again, what I do with this podcast. It's like act like a lady, think like a man kind of a situation. <laughs> and one of the things that we had gotten into was that doesn't always work because at the end of the day we are women and women and men have very different roles stereotypically in the world and how we're perceived and looked at Mm -hmm. and so I wanted to go back to sort of like when we were talking about your dad is there was like a very specific way like he wanted it sounded like to me almost like he wanted you to work out like a dude like carry yourself in the world of a man as as my dad does right they want Mm -hmm. successful daughters that have leadership skills and qualities and that's all great and good and that's how my dad raised me but then I go into the real world and I'm like but that's not how the world like it's not set up for me to utilize the same way it was for you as a guy (laughs) so and it's very frustrating I think for parents to like particularly men like my father where they're like, I don't, I don't understand. I did everything right. Like you're doing all the things right that I did. Like, how is it not working for you? There's this pressure then to feel like you owe something to your parents 
for yeah. all the work and investment they like gave and put into you. And because um, we talked about that a while ago, like mm-hmm. you were saying you felt guilty and I certainly feel that way with my parents. You know, I want to be like this big, successful, famous actress to like kind of right. reward my parents for like investing in me. Like, sure. I, like I'm their champion horse in a race or something. <laughs> right. It's been years of me trying to work to like not feel guilty about that. And in you doing something so different, I'm sure that you had a lot of feelings of feeling like you could be disappointing people or they wouldn't understand or they were doubting you. Like, how did you navigate your way and cope with all those feelings and like keep your eye on the prize and do what you knew you needed to do? Well, it was really hard. It was really hard because I think there's a lot of programming, right? When you're raising children, you're actually, to a certain extent, you're program- programming them, whether you realize it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say the guilt that I feel like in terms of owing something to my parents, it's different for my mom than it is for my dad. For my mom, she had me at a really young age, and I, I feel guilt around feeling like I have I stole her early years. You know, like if I was her now, I would have like a – God, a 17-year-old or something, right? Because I'm 32 or so. I don't know if I did the math right. But the point is, is I have a teenager and I just can't even imagine that. So that's the guilt that I have around that. But when it comes to my dad, he actually took that guilt away on accident. <laughs> um, so let me explain. Um, also, sort of just at the beginning, it was just before COVID, very maybe just the year before, at the end of the year, my dad quit his corporate job and he had been in corporate America his entire career. He's got an MBA. He did marketing for this company for over a decade. And, you know, he had uh, experience prior to that. And he basically, he just quit. He sold his house, he moved, and then he became an EMT. And then he went to paramedic school because he wants to be a flight paramedic. And that just blew up my brain a little bit. Like there's a lot of that going on in the last two years. I feel like things have been blowing up all the ideas I had of life and what it should be. But basically to see him just walk away from this career that I thought was like the ideal. It was thought, I thought that that's what we were all reaching for. And for him to just do something that made him happy where he wouldn't be miserable, even though he's not making, obviously not making what he was making at this company. First I freaked out and then it gave me permission to do what I wanted to do because I realized that he had a very, um, I don't know, like some sort of epiphany and things changed for him in his 50s. And I was like, well, shit, I don't want to wait till my 50s to have that. Let's let's do what he's doing. Let's make that decision now. So still up until this point in my life, I'm still like, what's dad doing? You're like, And I don't even mean to. It's just very much like it's just programmed in me. So it was a little easier than I thought it would be because he did it first. And then yeah, I he like kind permission. of a, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got a free pass to just do whatever the fuck I want. And I think the other thing that's made it easier too is I have an incredibly supportive husband. And prior to me starting this business, um, I spent a number of years supporting him and his endeavors and him starting the business that he owns today and um, co-owns with his business partner. And I think he basically felt like it's it's my turn. He was like, you helped get the, you know, our business to that point to where we could partner with someone else and it could grow. And he was like, and that wasn't your passion, but this is, and I know that it is. And so now it's your turn. Take this time, grow your business, you know, build your community of, of like amazing women and just, and just make it happen. And so he's been pivotal in all of this because I just don't know that I would have been able to do it if I didn't have his support. So emotional and financial, like I'm really relying on him for everything right now, just so that I can make this happen because it's, 
what I care about. It's my dream. And like I said, when I'm working with clients and I see their lives change and improve, that's really what I'm doing it for. So I know that the purpose of every business is to make money, but the the thing that I can go to sleep at night feeling happy about is like that client that texts me that says, I had to buy new clothes today because none of my clothes fit and that was my goal. Like I wanted to feel comfortable in my own skin and or I bought roller skates. I haven't roller skated in over a decade and I'm going to go roller skating today. You know, it's it's stuff like that that makes all of the craziness and all the uncertainty and all the panic totally worth it. Well, because it gives you purpose. Like right. it sounds like, like that's your purpose and it feels really, really fulfilling. Is there a sense of freedom you now feel? Absolutely. It's 100%. Uh, it's a total change night and day from what it was like doing the jobs I was doing before to where I am now. Creating my own schedule and deciding how much time I'm going to spend with a client. Like for example, I do free consultations and technically those are only supposed to be 15 minutes long. Have they ever only been 15 minutes? No, because (laughs) I get to know the person and I'm like, I need to know more about you. This is amazing. And so even though that's my time and everyone's like, time is money. I'm like, no, I need to know this person and where they're coming from. And sometimes their kids pop in on the consultation and say hi. And like, To me, I never even keep track of the time. I probably will eventually once I'm too busy to not keep track of the time. Yeah, where you have to. Right now, I'm just like, I want to know you. And and most of the people, actually all the people that have ever been a client of mine, they've remained friends. And I I keep in touch with them. And so when I say that I'm building a community, I legitimately mean like these are my this is my tribe. These are my people. And I don't intend to, to not, I mean, I'm going to keep in touch with them well beyond their time with me. So if they do a 90 day program and they're done, that doesn't mean that we're, I'm not going to still check in to see how they're doing or how their kids are doing. You know, we're, it's real. I'm doing it because of a real connection because it matters to me. At the end of the day, that's what we all want. We all want community and not with people that are exactly like us, but that are like us enough that we feel we can relate to them and rely on them and that they too can enrich our lives in ways that we don't know yet. I think like that's kind of the whole point, right? But you trust them enough based on that initial like ground level baseline with each other. Like you trust them enough to enrich your, to ultimately be in your life enough to enrich it is what I'm trying to say. But no, right. Absolutely. And I've learned so much from my clients because it's not all just about fitness and nutrition. Like I said, it's about our spiritual journey. It's about this short trip that we have on this planet, right? And our time here. And I feel like there hasn't been a single client that I've had that I didn't learn something from. And it could be something super deep or something as simple as like freezing your tofu instead of pressing it. And that blew my mind, right? So like I just, I learned stuff from people and I'm just like, this is, this is amazing. Like this is a continue, we continue to learn from one another and grow and that makes it all worth it for me for sure. That's so great. So the last thing I want to talk about is your hair because you recently cut it all off and I know that you were really excited about that and it was something that you kind of been wanting to do for a really long time. We've talked about this before. We, I think a lot of women can understand the, the whole cutting of the hair thing. I don't think I'm the only person who's done that um, in response <laughs> to something. So I guess right. I don't have to explain the whole thing. Let's just say this isn't the first time uh, that I've done this, but this is the first time I've cut it this short. During... COVID, I mean, and it's still happening, but early in the early times, um, I know none of us could get haircuts and I started to just get frustrated about that. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something a little edgy. I'm going to shave just around, do like an undercut, right? So just shave like 
the lower part of my hair. I don't know if you guys know what an undercut is, but basically you can make it look like you still have long hair because it's just shaved underneath. So I did that for a little while and then it just wasn't, it was like this weird in-betweeny haircut and it was bothering me and I was like, you know, there's always been all of this like value placed on my hair and placed on my appearance based on the length of my hair and all this pressure my whole life for my hair to be a certain way or for my body to be a certain way. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. So I just shaved it. I was just like, you know, this is, it had started to feel heavy for me, both like physically and emotionally. So before I cut it really, really short, my hair was down past the middle of my back. And so the, the first thing I did, the initial cut was to donate my hair. And then after that, I was like, no, just let's get rid of all of it. And, and I get, I sometimes suffer from headaches and I get stressed out. It's just, it just happens. And for some reason, the weight of my hair, it just hurt me sometimes. And I just couldn't, mm -hmm. it does. emotionally and physically, it just started to hurt. And I was like, you know what? I don't need this. And as, as scary as it was, and it, I felt so good after I did it. And just to like rub my hands on my head, I know you guys can't see me, but I'm totally like <laughs> gesturing to my head. Um, just to like rub my hands over like my buzzed scalp just felt so good. And the first time I took a shower, I was like, yes, this is what water feels like on your head. Like I'd never felt it before. And I, I've always found water to be really healing. And anytime I've been in a really tough spot. I, you know, growing up, I used to sit at the bottom of my swimming pool or I would sit in my shower. Like I'm very much about water. And I felt like it was the first time I'd showered, like just, just feel it on my head. It was like this wild like awakening, a new sense. Yeah. It was amazing. And I was like, oh, okay, I can do this. And I have to be honest, there have, there were days in the early head shaving period where I would get up in the morning and look in the mirror and panic because I didn't look the way I thought I was supposed to look. You know, when I would have this um, lack of confidence, I'd freak out a little bit and say like, oh, you don't look right, where's your hair? Or like I would put on a dress for something and I would freak out because I was like, do I still look feminine? Because I want to look feminine, you know, I've, that's just me personally, not everybody does, but I do. And so I put on a dress and I, I wasn't sure how I felt about it, you know? And it's because I have this idea of what I'm supposed to look like, but it's not my idea. It's someone else's idea. It's not an authentic, mm -hmm. true opinion or feeling. It's just what I've been trained to believe. So as freeing as it was, there's also been some like growing pains <laughs> as I shortened my hair <laughs> to, um, to sort of accept it and embrace it and be like, hey, I'm just as much of a woman as I was when I had hair down to my ass. And this makes me no less of a person, if anything, I feel empowered in it. So that's, yeah. that's the hair story. Well, I wanted, I wanted to talk about all that, all the things, because what I find really, really cool is that in the wake of one of the most terrible times in our experience, let alone history, you made a very brave decision to start your own business, go out on your own, give yourself permission and the confidence to do these things despite what you felt you were supposed to do because of social or familial constructs. I just like to shed light on women that do that because as I kind of said, there's not a lot of attention on stories like that until people have reached like the pinnacle of success. Like oh, sure. I really want to hear the stories from start to finish all the struggles, all the self-doubt, all of the hesitation, because that's part of it. 
and we're never expecting it to be part of it because we're not hearing about it. What's that quote where it's like Instagram is is your highlight reel, but you don't see what's on the cutting room floor or something like that? Right, right. It's and same it, with movies. Any, same any with that. with everything. And and I I just loved the two times we've spoken now about so many things. I loved hearing about not just for the education but the education of you as a human. I've loved learning about you and like the ways you've grown and challenged yourself. And I, I hope that it inspires people listening to do similar things and following your footsteps. And I, I hope it inspires all of you listening. If you're looking for a really unique workout, I hope that you take with Anastasia. I wanna, I think that's that's all I have to ask you for this time. I'm sure we'll have you back. So, um, Thank you for joining us. It was like really, it's like I keep saying, it's so nice to talk to you every time. And I I can only imagine what your classes are like because I, I already feel like inspired and and like my life is enriched. And, and every time I talk to you, I feel like it's just, it's great. Oh, well, that's, that's super sweet for you to say. And I just wanted to thank you not only for having How Bitches Are Made and for, for just using this platform for good, but just like in the times that we've talked even recently, it's felt so good for me to know that you can relate to what I'm going through, yeah, right? Or what yeah, I've gone same. through. And as much as I don't want you to suffer or struggle, there's something <laughs> there's something that's sort of it's like it's a relief because people, like you said, people don't talk about it. And so I just want to thank you for not only being open with me, but also for just being open with all of your followers. Oh my and, god, and, you're and so kind. <laughs> saying saying those things because I think that otherwise no one's gonna say that to them or to me. No one's ever said that to me. And so I just thank you because it it I needed I needed to hear it when you said it. Oh, and I'm, I'm sure glad. that the people listening needed to hear it. So thank you so much for You're having so me. You're so welcome. I would love to come back and talk about whatever you want to talk about yeah. at any time. <laughs> thank you so much again. You're so, so sweet and beautiful and lovely. And I love what you're doing. And there's no doubt in my mind that you're just going to spread joy wherever you go because you're just you're wonderful. So. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you. <laughs> the feeling's mutual. Oh, thanks, girl. <laughs> I want to thank Anastasia again for joining us and for sitting down to let me interview her. And I want to thank all of you for listening to what she had to say. Um, If you are interested in the services she offers, again, you can visit her website. It is vegshe.com. That's spelled V-E-G-S-H-E dot com. And from there, you'll be able to see some testimonials, enroll in her online fitness programs, her online group classes, get nutritional coaching, get vegan mentorship. She also mentioned that she responds to comments on her Instagram, which is at veg underscore she. She also has a YouTube channel that you can visit. That channel is simply called, you guessed it, Veggie. As always, we will put the links on our references page to this episode on howbitchesaremade.com. And as always, we invite you to submit your feedback, stories, questions, what have you, to info at howbitchesaremade.com. And you can follow us across all platforms at howbitchesaremade. You can follow me at the Rachel Melvin across all platforms as well. And remember to subscribe, like, share, rate, and review. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. Have a great weekend and we'll see you back on Wednesday with a brand new story. 